Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. Ride is a 2017 movie, or TV show, I guess, because it's rated TVMA, and we watched it on Hulu. It's 84 minutes long. It has a 6.1 on IMDb. It has no ratings on Rotten Tomatoes at all. Rotten Tomatoes, actually, the webpage for it breaks if you try to visit Ride on it, which is interesting. Makes me think maybe there are some ratings and we just can't get to them. I don't know. But on Metacritic, what we have is it says TBD, so they don't have a rating yet. They haven't been able to calculate one because there are only two critic reviews. But I did the work for them. I averaged together those two reviews, and it has a Metacritic score of 15. Not a high score, if you're wondering. Soli. Yes. You chose the movie Ride for us to watch. I did. This was my choice. We have watched a couple of very serious movies recently. Indeed, like Little Evil. Yeah, it feels weird to say that, given that. But I feel like there have been been several intense talks. Like The Visit was very intense. Uh-huh. The Eyes of My Mother was intense. We were looking for something a little lighter, a little sillier. Not, not <laughs> silly so much. Um, we were looking for something a little more ridiculous ludicrous Mm, interesting something Something we could laugh at like christian bale in american psycho (laughs) i see you've been reading the reviews for this movie indeed i have yeah so i assumed that the just the premise of this movie was going to make it ludicrous like it's about whether ride shares are safe or not and the, you know, instead of Lyft or Uber, their rideshare company is called Ride with a Y. Of course. So, I mean, right away, it seems like it was exactly what we were looking for. Yes, it definitely did not seem like a big budget thriller that was going to blow our socks off. No. And so here's what we were looking for. We, we were looking for a movie that was going to take itself way too seriously in a funny way. Yeah, that's always good. That is that is generally our favorite thing to do. So this movie, I'm just going to jump right into first shot, first line. Yeah, good. This movie starts uh, at nighttime. Headlights driving through a graffiti-covered tunnel. Um, there's kind of a green filter on the, on the camera, so everything kind of has this eerie green look to it. And then there are several minutes of driving and which i hope you got used to because yeah it came around a few times (laughs) driving dumping a body cleaning the car there were lots of things going on there right but no dialogue no dialogue finally we jump to a completely different scene where a woman parks her car gets out goes into her apartment and as she's walking through the door she answers the phone and says hello which is the perfect first line 
Is it's it? like the movie is greeting us and welcoming us in. Oh, yeah. It seemed kind of generic to me. No. Just like all the rest of the dialogue <laughs> in this movie. It's like a Lionel Richie song. <laughs> or Adele, maybe? Either way. <laughs> yeah, so hello is the first line. And as she walks in, like before we get to the first line, we see this woman. It turns out it's Jasmine, one of the main mm-hmm. characters. We see her stop and find a wallet on the sidewalk. And she picks it up and she looks around in what really came across as, did anyone see me find this? Yeah. Like I, I, from that, that scene, I was like, oh, she's not a great person. Hmm. This is going to be interesting. By comparison, she turns out to be an angel. Well, here's the thing. She goes into her apartment and then immediately gets out an envelope and like is... Like, she's going to return the wallet. Yeah. Without even so that's good. really so much as looking in it. I mean, she does to get the address. But so I believe that that was supposed to be the first instance of her being a truly good person. Uh-huh. Right? Which carries through the whole movie. She's essentially the only female character in this movie who's not a horrible, horrible person for some reason or another. And therefore, yeah. she is the only female character in this movie who deserves to live. Yes, that does seem to be the theme of the movie. Um, We've got a killer who has some kind of moral system that doesn't actually make any sense, but clearly involves taking it out on somebody because of something they did that was bad and sometimes letting somebody else go because they weren't bad. Yeah, it seemed like anybody who was overtly rude to him, Yes. uh, any female who was overtly rude to him, (laughs) any female who was excessively sexual or promiscuous, they had to die. Definitely. The the girls who used drugs, Mm -hmm. they had to die. Of course, they they were. were promiscuous yes they were also pretty sexualized but their friend who had clearly had too much to drink but wasn't rude to him and didn't come on to him she got to live for some reason she so i was wrong uh jasmine was not the only one who lived there was the other girl she got to be put to bed so lucky her yeah um this was easily one of the most misogynistic movies we've watched definitely the most misogynistic we've watched this month and I would say up there in the most misogynistic of movies that I have seen, period. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was going through the older movies I reviewed to kind of check out my, to write down and keep track of what all they all are so I can do a search and see if I've seen movies before because there's mm-hmm. starting to be a lot. Mm-hmm. I think there's over 200 now. One of those was a video review. So I watched the review. I watched all the video reviews. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> I'm just super entertaining. <laughs> And uh, well, I'm gonna listen to all of these podcasts, okay, so good. We are super entertaining, we're, we're fun. fun. That movie was Doghouse, which, as the name implies, mm, is yeah. about men being in the doghouse, mm. and it is, in fact, so grotesquely woman hating that I couldn't, in my review, I give it two scores because I think it's lampooning the idea of misogyny. But I can't tell. So it's either the worst movie ever or not exactly good, but it's yeah. it's trying to make a social point. But it has like, oh, it's just awful, awful things. Like blatant. Like not, gee, that seems bad. But them just out there going, women are the devil and they're horrible and they will treat you wrong. It's a uh, very interesting film. Yeah. 
Well, this one, Ride, had didn't have so much of the really overt saying those sorts of things. Yeah. But I've watched enough Law & Order, Criminal Minds, <laughs> CSI, etc. in my life to have heard many times over that overkill with oh, yes. serial killers is generally like a person like it personalizes the the murder right like it's it's saying there's a personal drive behind this and this movie all of the deaths were serious overkill so my point there is that this guy definitely has a problem with women oh yeah and um you mentioned he didn't say a lot of things mm-hmm. that were bad that's because he didn't say squat. He almost never spoke. And mm. I, it wasn't just speaking, though. He We spent the whole movie looking at his face and getting nothing out of it. Which is like Christian Bale in American Psycho. <laughs> Except the difference is, this was bad acting. Yeah, I don't think that's what those reviews were trying to say. But I, um, I see what you're saying. I, I think it was intentional, though. Like, it wasn't yeah. well done, but it was definitely intentional. Because the only times he ever had any emotion on his face was while he was way overkilling yeah. these women. He got real wound up. Yeah. But then as soon as it was done, all of that emotion would drain out of him and he yeah. would go back to this very flat affect again. But for me, it made it so that the movie is we're following this character... But we have zero connection to this character. Stuff is happening and we don't know why because we can't tell what he's thinking in any way. Yeah. Which was interesting. I haven't seen that before that I can recall. Yeah. So the two people that he attacks who aren't women, one of them is the driver whose car he steals, yeah, right? That's practical. Right, I feel like that was that was out of necessity. It doesn't fit in his moral code. Like, I feel like it was a murder that never would have happened on Dexter because mm-hmm. there was no reason, like, there was no legitimate reason. He could have found a terrible person and stolen their car, and he didn't. Yeah. So his ethics are not as strong as he thinks they are. No, he's not great. No. <laughs> no. But the other guy, I don't... He didn't kill him. Well, I know he didn't kill him because this guy's at the end of the movie. Marcus, the boyfriend, gets beat up only just this second. I'm realizing that that didn't actually happen. That was a fantasy like right. thing that he had in his head while he was driving. I forgot he that. He wanted to kill Marcus. Yeah. But he never actually laid a finger on him. Which is interesting. Yeah. But... Yes. You're I forgetting somebody. his other victim, Double T. <gasps> Oh, Double T, who also, who does fit the moralistic murder because he stole somebody else's rideshare. That's right. He came in and he was obnoxious. That was just kind of a little, um, look, it's not just women. (laughs) I think you're exactly right. I think that was what it was trying to do. Okay, so I'd like to ask you a two-part question about that. One, is the person who wrote this movie, writer-director, that's the same guy, is he actually misogynistic or yes. not? And two, does he know that what he was writing was misogynistic? He is misogynistic because he's in Hollywood. It's very simple. <laughs> but um, you can see it through the whole movie. Even if it wasn't kind of a woman hatey movie, it's fundamental to this type of movie that it's no coincidence that I noticed that every single girl in this movie was very attractive. They are models. I mean, it's also Hollywood. I know, but for no no legit reason in real life. Like that, it's these are casting couch victims right here. Yes, and the costumes, the right 
every th- every That's... one of the women was costumed in something that was so short that it didn't actually qualify as a dress. Like yeah. they were basically all wearing shirts out <laughs> to the club. Yeah. So it's it's got that just basic thing, which could happen in all kinds of movies, and is a sign that you're dealing with a, a Weinstein-y type of person. But then on top of that, he's like, yeah, and this is exactly the story for me, is this guy smashing faces in with his foot. It's just yeah. really horrifying. Yeah. So I think that is the case, but I think your second part is very uh, meaningful in that surely he doesn't. Maybe not so much that he doesn't know, but that he doesn't... Here, Okay, so let me refine that a little bit. So you said he is misogynistic. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. I totally agree with, with your logic there. So he wrote a movie that has all these misogynistic undertones. Mm-hmm. Did he realize... Was he trying to write a gay women movie? Like, not gay women, but like, look, I'm not a misogynist movie. <laughs> Or did he not even consider it at all? Oh, I I think that's it. I think this is, again, it's a Harvey Weinstein thing. This is a guy who belongs in the 80s. He doesn't really think of women as people. It wouldn't cross his mind to consider that issue. Like, as far as he's concerned, this is the plot he came up with. Woo, it's clever. This is great stuff. And he never thinks, like, it's not It's not that he hates women. It's that it's not even an issue. It's these are the targets that his man is killing. And they're the targets that make sense. Mm. You know, it's like... yeah. It's, it's not that he wants to have a heroic woman or, uh, you know, punish the evil slutty women. It's that this makes sense to him. This which, is how it is. Which is and how it should as be. scary as the guy in the movie. So I feel like there are a few instances where he was trying to not consciously necessarily counter that, but like how he wanted to beat up Marcus. Marcus is a, a sleazebag. Marcus mm-hmm. is probably more misogynistic awful, yeah. than Paul is. Yeah. Like, really? Terrible. Yes. And the thing is, at least Paul, we're supposed to know he's a bad guy. Like, we're all supposed to agree yeah, as an audience was that Paul is shocking. bad. This movie has a shocking ending, it like really they say does. in the 50s. So, Paul is evil. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Marcus is supposed to be the hero of this movie somehow? I thought he was being presented as evil and awful until the end. Because everything he does is terrible. Like, he literally, everything he says makes me think that he went to one of those pickup artist classes. Uh Like, his girlfriend comes out, and she's dressed up to go out for the night. And his compliment, there are serious air quotes around the word compliment there, his compliment is, I think I like the red dress a little better. Uh-huh. Like, what? And that is called nagging. And exactly. that is a pickup artist technique. And, and it, like, he was like that through the whole movie. Like, everything he said was said in just the way that if she got upset, he could be like, well, why are you getting so upset? I didn't, whatever, you Let know. Let me gaslight you. Right, absolutely. <laughs> that was the whole movie. And then at the end, he's the good guy? And in any other movie... She would have responded to that going, oh, hell no. Get out of here. I'm done with you. Absolutely. I've overcome this big thing, and that makes me realize my own self-worth, so I kick you to the curb. That's the standard Hollywood plot. Yes. And it's very, very strange that they didn't go there. And, yeah, that's the part that makes me think that he's actually oblivious to 
how terrible his own views are because if that was what he thought was how it should go he clearly does not understand how women see any aspect of the world yeah i think what i picture is the kind of people who tell other people their virtue signaling and their sjw's Mm. and Mm -hmm. he's one of these guys who who's like i can't believe you're acting nice to that woman that's so pathetic of you you know he's got this weird twisted toxic moral code that just doesn't make sense and just to make sure everyone is on the same page with us we are talking about marcus the actual boyfriend the hero not paul the serial killer in this movie who's cool no problems with paul (laughs) no paul has some pretty serious issues oh right no paul's not that much better but given the fact that he's the bad guy (laughs) That's forgivable. <laughs> Given the fact that he stomped on people's faces until their heads fell off. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Ooh. I don't remember where we were. I, I, oh, yes. I agree with you that he, the writer-director <laughs> is misogynistic and doesn't have an idea, any idea. And truly yeah. doesn't understand how the world works. Let's talk about Paul stomping on people's heads until they are liquefied mm-hmm. and actually fall off when he pulls the body. Yeah, I'm not sure that's possible, but okay. <sighs> okay, so does this movie qualify as torture porn? It features very brutal killings. Surprisingly so for how little actual violence there is over the course of the movie. It's just kind of all mm-hmm. of a sudden it goes out there it's kind of like the stepfather where the whole movie's not quite the same but the whole movie's very pg not this movie but the stepfather but then there's brief moments of extreme hard r craziness yeah yeah i wrote i wrote well that went from zero to 60 really fast (laughs) yes yes 60 stabs really fast (laughs) yes but the distinction that I see that doesn't make this seem to be torture porn to me is that that's more about dragging things out, having people suffer, and that we have to sit there. That the, the thrill we're supposed to get out of the movie is the innovative ways that these people are being put through pain and such. Sure. Which is sort of why Eyes of My Mother felt torturific. Yes, yes. And this feels less so. This was just kind of like, let's show the most fun kill we can show. Like a Jason movie where they're trying to come up with clever ways to kill people. And apparently stomping their head is the clever way to kill somebody. Yeah. One difference from other movies that have qualified as torture porn to me is that there, there kind of is a reason or a motivation for the overkill. Like, it's part of uh-huh. his whole serial killer, not backstory, persona, character development, I guess. Yeah. But it's also so gratuitous. and It is. It's extremely over the top. It bumps it into, so maybe not necessarily a torture porn category, but into a category of this movie is not something, it's not watchable because the violence is not relevant enough to the story. Hmm. I, I, I think that's what it is for me. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that that I think if you thought about that, you would kind of be ruling out a lot of horror movies, you know, like like Jason going around killing campers. And, you know, each one is this clever, in quotes, kill. Like, he, I remember, the only kill I remember from a Jason movie is at one point somebody's in a sleeping bag and he picks up the sleeping bag and smashes it against a tree over and over. And that's clever in the sense that they came up with something original and he did it. And uh, it's weird that like it has nothing to do with the story at all. It's simply we've 
we've brainstormed all the killings we can come up with and this is the one we want to do it's supposed to entertain you in that way yeah i'm not big fan of friday the 13th movies actually see i think that might fall into the same category for me yeah but it comes back to the fact that i'm not overly fond of any movie that any horror movie that's relying on gore for the scariness of it yeah makes sense and this this is interesting because it's a serial killer which is something i like that is strictly relying on gore <laughs> for the scare. Well, and it's like I said, that we never learn anything about this killer. Mm-mm. He comes out of the blue. We we see him in a bar saying hi. He says, oh, I buried my wife, which we are supposed to understand is a bad thing. And the girl he's talking to understands as, oh, he's a sad, lonely widow. Let me go grab him. And so that's the backstory we Even get. though the flat affect on his face, there's no woman... In any bar, anywhere, who would have gone anywhere with that man. Yep. Because all of the alarm bells in their heads would have been ringing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how they do that. But to get into good guys, um, let's talk about Carl. Oh, the Um, real Carl. The real Carl makes his own sketch. So that's pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Also, when you get into his rideshare, he will offer you water gum and his latest mixtape yes for 5.99 sure i feel like that's a thing where there was there was this whole part where they uh carl picked paul and the girl who never would have gone anywhere with him picks them up in his ride chair right and this girl is explaining in agonizing (laughs) detail how ride sharing works yes it is like an ad for lyft except that a lot of the facts were wrong Yes, in fact, you even uh, compared it to some of the scenes in Bones where they're very clearly trying to sell you the uh, SUV that Bones and and, uh, Booth are driving around in. Yeah, those kind of paid-for fake ads. Mm -hmm. I hate that so much. Mm -hmm. But it, it felt like that, except it wasn't because what they were describing was the rules of ride, which are not the same as any real ride chair, because if they were, none of this would have happened, because you always get a picture of the guy who's picking you up, so. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, there was that, like, their picture, his picture was on the app. Yeah, it showed up. I, it's like nobody was paying attention. Yeah, but I think the only, the only time we actually saw it was on, like, the little map of where they were going, which you'd only see if you were looking at the front of the car. Like, it didn't send it to the person when they were trying to get a ride. Yeah. As far weird. as we knew. The other way that it didn't work logistically for me is that, like, she points out, and, and a couple of them give him the address in advance, like you do with <laughs> yes, a rideshare. this was frustrating. And then, like, 90% of the people who got into this ride-sharing vehicle were like, no, I'll just direct you. Mm-hmm. Like, well, A, there's no way to bill you for that. Like, how uh-huh. are you going to calculate your tab here? That's not how this works. And B, it's like the unsafest thing to have happen in a rideshare. Like, both the driver and the passenger are at serious risk if there's no record of where they're going or where right. they're supposed to go. I mean, I guess obviously that's kind of the point because <laughs> those people are the ones who died. Yeah, it worked out for him that he wasn't using Lyft or Uber. Yeah. So while we're talking about the whole rideshare piece of it, I, I want to ask you, um, does this movie make you hesitate at the idea of using rideshare? We have done that occasionally in our lives. No, not any more than... A home invasion movie makes me scared about looking out the windows or, you know, seeing 
whatever's around my house. Oh, I totally just started thinking about that one with the deaf woman. Yes. Hush. Yes. Oh, that was... I got a little scared about going outside after that one. Okay, sorry. Luckily, you can hear what's going on around (laughs) you. (laughs) Continue. No, it's just... That's all. Just kind of... It's in this setting that something terrible happens, so... Maybe makes me a little nervous about that setting, but mm-hmm. it, since the rules of their app were Ridiculous. much more dangerous than the real rules mm-hmm. of these systems, I'm not really concerned about the real systems. Hmm. Are you getting nervous? Well, so I I suspect that I'm always a little more nervous about ride shares than you are. Probably. Because I am a woman. Yeah. It's one of those situations. Like, when we ride share together, I'm never nervous. Like that, yeah. I I don't think I heard, I don't even think twice about well, it. Well, I'm big and tough. My hero. Yes. But I have occasionally been in places alone where then I'm I'm ride sharing on my own. Yeah. And when my ride share driver is male and I'm traveling by myself, I do get a little bit nervous. Yeah. It's... And I do things like I will like when that's happening, like I'll make sure that I'm texting with you at that time, or I like share information about who I'm with and where I am and all of that. Not that that would necessarily save me, but at least you'd be able to find my body. I don't know. That's helpful. I'm glad we were Um, able to do that. It's definitely, it's it's an intimate situation with a total stranger, which is very iffy. And there, most of the time, I don't feel like I'm, I'm sort of nervous just because I'm trained to be sort of nervous when I am alone with a strange man, Yeah. sadly. There have been a couple of rides that I've gotten where I have been on high alert the whole time. Uh-huh. And, then, and nothing happened, but it was like the guy was just odd enough in the way he was communicating and, you know, just off enough from social norms that I was relieved to get out of the car at my my destination. Is that how you feel when I drive you around? No, it is not. Because <laughs> I'm just off enough. <laughs> no, no, no. You're just off enough in, in a way that's attractive to me. <laughs> These guys were just off enough in a way that made alarm bells go off in my head, you know? Yeah. The kind of person who you are excessively nice to because they might be someone who has this moralistic code that allows them to kill people <laughs> who are rude to them. Yeah. Just yeah. saying. Like double T. Yep. Um, and, and I think the reason I th- thought about that is because one of the ones that made me nervous was someone who had taped to the dashboard of his car a list of the things that he could get for you. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, fancy shoes and like leather jackets <laughs> and, you know, whatever. Like he could get all this, you know, black market stuff. I don't know <laughs> why, like on the cheap for you. Right. And, and, like, he had this little menu ta- taped to the dashboard That's of his vehicle. That's always a, a little sketchy. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And um, he was also... See, here's why I'll probably end up murdered by someone. Don't. In, in a rideshare is he, at some point, made some negative comment about teachers. Oh, yeah. At which point I was like, whoa, buddy, uh, you should probably know I have been a teacher and many of my friends are teachers. Like, I couldn't just keep my mouth shut uh-huh. and smile and nod. I had to be like, hey... Uh uh-uh which is just stupid and i shouldn't be allowed to travel and ride chairs alone (laughs) oh don't get murdered please i'll try not to and now for an amazing new segment on our show which might only ever happen once (laughs) it's called dramatic reenactment 
Yay! That is exactly the response I expected. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is our inner thespians coming out to play to present to you a scene from the movie Ride. Here we are. Uh, we're driving in a car, by the way. And you are playing the role of... Oh, I'm playing the role of Double T, the passenger. And I shall be playing the role of Carl slash Paul, the serial killer. Indeed. And action! Hey, Double T, you should put your seatbelt on. What? You should put your seatbelt on. What? You should put your seatbelt on, man. Oh, no, man, I'm good. And scene. (laughs) That was just a special treat for our listeners. (laughs) Are you okay, Soli? It's terrible. Are you going to be good doing that 20 more times? No. Or 15. No big deal. I feel like... I feel like we just keep adding more and more reasons for people to stop listening. (laughs) You know what? What people do is up to them. What we do... You know what? Killing someone is taking a piece of their life away. Pretty much all of it, really, when you think about it. Whereas dying, you can't control that. Oh, that's deep, man. (laughs) That is... Yeah. That was actually on my list of one of the favorite lines. Yeah, that that uh, killing versus dying monologue was insane and a little scary because I feel like that was definitely the writer's own voice coming through. Yeah, probably. And yeah, that was a little terrifying. Ratings. Wow. So this movie was not what I expected it to be. No, ma'am. It was... So much worse than what I expected. Um, I expected bad, but I expected bad in an entertaining, fun way that I would have enjoyed. This was bad, and it made me angry. Because of just how misogynistic and and horrific everybody was. Also, I was extremely disappointed that Marcus didn't die in this movie. Me too. Um, I I consider that a, a serious flaw in the script. Also, I didn't like the soundtrack. No, it's bad. Uh, it came across as very uh, porn movie yeah. s- sort of music. The The filmography was weird and awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few moments where I was like, ooh, they're doing something a little bit interesting. But most of the time, it was just very film student-y. And the dialogue was so flat and like so boring. And... There were so many scenes where it was just us, like, real time watching them do something that is not necessary in a movie. Yes, there was a whole lot of driving in this movie. Well, and not only that, but, like, the guy, when uh, Paul was pouring the wine, like, we actually watched him find the wine glasses and find the wine bottle and take the cork out and pour the wine. And And take off his shirt while he was doing it. And take all his clothes off. Yeah. It was, ugh. No, everything about this is bad. Uh huh. It's not bad enough for a zero, though, so I am going to give it a one lost wallet out of five. Oh, that is a very understandable rating. Yeah, we didn't really touch on it during our review until you just mentioned it now, that driving around forever and ever, near real time, most of this movie was, says Yoda. So it combines boring with hateful with pointless with bad music, with 
no plot. I mean, there is a plot, but it doesn't have any story to it. It's mm-hmm. just some people get killed. That's it. And predictably so. Yes. Predictably killed. The only unpredictable was that certain ones didn't get killed for some reason. How exciting. So, overall, I would have to join you in the pit of the ones mm. and rate this one lost wallet out of five. Yeah, it's very sad. This is the only one that either one of us have handed out so far this year. Well, I'm still digging for that zero, so... This came close. Actually, this movie did kind of remind me of Mark of the Witch at various points. When we were driving slowly down the street and the lights are coming over the car. It was a little reminiscent, but... Yeah? Not quite there. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're laying down. All right, well... We will have to try to find our ridiculously, ludicrously stupid movie tomorrow. I can't wait for that. I feel like we just keep adding more and more reasons for people to stop listening. <laughs>